0: What is up, folks? My name is Justin Kana. Welcome to The Emulsion, episode 21. Today we're going to chat about some reasons to not open a restaurant, chef health, mental health, physical health, Instagram food, and what is up with Vesperteen, that new place in LA. Also, popping up under a bridge. That's going to be another little interesting end story. Yay! My tagline for this show, uh, i decided, is going to be... um, A chef's perspective on what's worth sharing through an ambitious culinary career, because that's what it is, right? I don't and have never kind of boasted about being a know-it-all on this show, but I, I, I have, like pulling from the other direction, I have dedicated a huge percentage of my life to this field, and I really feel like I have opinions that bring value by being shared. Uh, And I want to emphasize that I'm still moving forward in my own career, and these stories, the ones that we're going to cover today and the ones that we cover every week on this show, are the ones that I pay attention to as I'm kind of progressing and still learning. So, it's the show... uh I I wish I would have had when I was a culinary school kid. That's basically what the emulsion is. And when I was first starting out at restaurants, I I never had a resource like that. But, you know, back to you. Please, please let me know how I can make this more valuable to you. Uh, And as I look forward to that, we'll get right into it. Yay! Uh, Amanda, who's a viewer, a friend of mine, sent this to me. Uh, So thanks to Amanda. It's from LA Weekly. uh, And it's all about Ari Tamor, who is a chef in LA who wrote this article himself uh, that LA Weekly published, um, and they titled it, I'm a chef who walked away from a dream restaurant, and here's why. Uh, So you might have seen this in your news feed over the weekend or even last week. As per usual, it's available for you to read yourself in the show notes. Uh, But it's a story all about how Ari and his partner opened up a restaurant called Alma in 2012 um and what basically happened is he burned himself out right long hours time away from family personal events happening and prioritizing the restaurant over the people and moments in 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 his life basically put him in a place where it was time to open another restaurant, and he openly admitted to his partners and his, and his investors that he wasn't ready. Uh, and what happened was that the outcome of that for him was just open and loving support, right? Like everybody rallied around him, made sure that he he had everything that he needed, which he admits he didn't think was go- he was going to receive. And I'm going to kind of hammer that point home with a, a quote from the article here. Many others aren't so lucky. Completely alone, they turn to drugs, alcohol, or other forms of self-sabotage. If I was going to lead young men and women, I had to change. I had to set the example that while work is important, there will be so many moments that cooking cannot prepare them for. I needed to show, and more importantly demand, that they take care of themselves as people, make time for friends, for books, for museums, and travel, to prepare so that when these moments find them, they're ready— who, what's good, what, what good is being the best cook in the world if you can't weather the storm? End quote. And we've talked about this on this, on the show before. I don't want to kind of beat a dead horse here, but if, if you know me, you know that I'm not really a drugs or an alcohol guy. I never, I never have been. And with these other stories coming out, right? Like I've left a, a piece from New York times that they published last week. It, it's, this is in the show notes. When They did a whole piece about Sean Brock and him kind of selling his vintage bourbon collection and going completely sober and him talking about the problems that he's dealt with uh, with that. And then if you're a fan of Chris Costantino, there's literally a piece I saw this week about him and how he feels about his mental health. and we're getting to this amazing point now where I'm kind of like fitting in with the cool kids now, right? Like I got so much shit in my career for not being the stereotypical chef, like not doing drugs and not going out and getting drunk like after service and then coming in super tired. And on a completely not selfish note, right? Like I'm genuinely so happy that other individuals in this career can kind of see that there's another way. And there's these people that are big players kind of um, – taking the high road on it in that way and that by kind of putting your own oxygen mask on first and then making sure that you're good kind of like mentally and physically means that you can kind of help other people out even better uh it's one of those like a rising tide raises all ships kind of uh cliches but it's it's so true and it doesn't do anything but make me happy. I, I know it's kind of a shot in the dark, but if you you are someone that is in need or, you know, you need someone to talk to, I would hope that, you know, I can help you in whatever way that I can. Uh, hopefully you know how to get in touch with me. Uh, that's usually in the show notes regardless. Um and I have no doubt that, as you know, kind of as small as this little community is here on the emulsion, I, we would also have your back with whatever struggles you're going through. Um, I'm a firm believer that positivity wins, and optimism is underrated. And I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent more comfortable being patient and kind of playing chess with my career rather than checkers and winding up in a headline, basically, about having a crisis affect me the way that it's, you know, the way that it's currently being written about. Uh, I'm going to quote this uh, article one more time and kind of uh, bookend the story. Yay! quote uh, the article here so socially and politically we are in a moment filled with anger and violence what we need are real leaders restaurants are one of the few meritocracies left in this country places where talent and hard work are regularly rewarded where someone can come from nothing and drag themselves to the top but we, much t- we must teach our cooks the value of community teach them how to cope with stress and depression and support them when they need to prioritize their lives at the cost of our menus and our legacies so that's the end of that story Yeah. Next up is a really interesting piece all about Instagram food. So here is kind of a a quote to start. Over the top, intensely trend-driven and visually arresting, Instagram food is almost always something to be obtained rather than cooked or created. It's elusive and aspirational, something instantly recognizable yet only minimally available. The product of a long line or a transcontinental flight. Its appearance in your timeline signals status. You went to the place, you you got the thing. You're the kind of person who lives that kind of life. Instagram food almost has nothing to do with consumption as a gastronomic endeavor. Instead, consuming Instagram food means acquiring it and sharing proof of your acquisition. And to end the quotable section of the article here, the ooze of a buttery grilled cheese, the drip of a just-punctured yolk down the side of a double-stacked burger, snow-drifted with truffles, a magically pink drink swirled with neon blue, a four-scoop ice cream cone melting in the sultry summer heat, these images are intended to elicit visceral, lizard-brain responses of hunger and desire. But somewhere in between screen and mouth, things often go left. Tall burgers, as it turns out, defy the reality of the human jaw. Unicorn frappuccinos sold out quickly, even though I never once saw anyone say they were delicious. Raindrop cakes taste like nothing. Galaxy donuts stain your fingers. Charcoal ice cream turns your teeth black. And sushi burritos fall apart. And this is kind of something... <laughs> that was very well written, don't you think? Uh, I hope you're hungry. And he kind of hears where I stand on this story, because I can look at it from both sides, right? And that's one of the reasons why I felt kind of compelled to cover it, um, more or less. So from my consumer standpoint, I definitely I, – I do take photos of my food, and I, I will do an Instagram story on certain experiences when I'm out and definitely, definitely post photos to my feed that I really stand behind, right? So you should be able to go back in my history, and if you're like, hey, I'm in Chicago – Uh, Justin really loved that breakfast spot a few months ago and then boom you can scroll back through my feed see the photo of it and then I tell you exactly what I ordered it's geotagged the restaurant is tagged and you can hopefully have just as cool of an experience yourself I hopefully like set yourself up for success in in that way. As far as kind of like the part about throwing the food away, I'm completely kind of flip-flopped on this one, right? I only care about how it tastes. I want to kind of see why things get popular. I do it for my own personal kind of research. What part of a, you know, unicorn frappuccino makes people want to stand in line? Uh, And yes, a lot of it is the reasons that get touched on in the article. Hype is real. Quality is subjective. Uh, It's definitely something that I need to kind of continually come to grips with as we kind of transition into this weird internet in real life uh also kind of story for me i can't really fathom standing in line for something getting a photo and then throwing it away or like having two bites of it and then throwing it away especially if it's food uh but if there's anything to kind of be taken from when i flip the coin onto my chef perspective it's kind of prioritizing uh those core principles that have always been around forever so like flavor and execution over like the flash and the trends will will always win in the long term right so a huge flit a, a huge uh, that huge riff of things that you can order uh, off of the list that Amanda Mull the author here kind of went on i guarantee you and i will laugh about in 12 to 24 months right we're we're already laughing about the 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 unicorn frappuccino uh, Damien says it's the herd mentality which is very very true you know we're, we're we're sheep in that way um but that's the punchline to me right it's it's a short term game to kind of get a trendy dish popular especially because with a restaurant you have to kind of build an entire ecosystem around it right you have to hire staff you have to have a space and with the exception of people like Uh, Dominique Ansel, right, who has kind of built an entire career on coming up with these amazingly Instagrammable dishes. I literally just saw a Facebook video today of his his watermelon soft serve uh, that he's kind of serving out of a watermelon slice, which is crazy. Uh, But if you can't do that, you're on a train that's going to kind of kick you off real soon if you can't manage to consistently creatively innovate. Um, And then flipping it back again, I completely respect the power of Kind of Instagramifying your dishes, right? On my Dish of the Day show that I do on YouTube, I often plate it up in two different ways and then ask for your opinion. Uh, kind of see what you, what draws you in, what makes you be like, I gotta try that, or what is that, right? So the flavors won't change; it tastes exactly the same. But to me, I think it's just such an amazing time to be alive, right? Where next up is actually a follow-up story to one that we covered here on the Emulsion a few weeks ago. Uh, And that's about Vespertine, so Jordan Kahn's place in L.A. That's super close to being accessible to us, you know, normal folk. Uh, I think they're doing friends and family uh, openings right now. Uh, That'll also be at a steep price, but we're going to get to that in a second. But I think this might be a piece where I start to kind of alienate some of you. Uh, But first, let's talk about the article. And the article is called 20 Questions That Explain Vespertine, L.A.'s Trippy New Tasting Menu Destination. So I'm literally going to go off script here and open the article and read you a few of the questions, and I want you to kind of listen closely to the way that they get asked. Um, So where is Vespertine? How much does dinner cost? How many courses does that get me? What can I expect from the food? Has Jordan said anything about specific dishes that I can latch onto here? What does Vespertine look like? Who designed it? What about music? Has anyone gone inside yet? Uh, and, the, and the list goes on. There's there's 20 of them here. And this hopefully kind of ties into the Instagram piece I just talked about, dealing with that kind of divide between consumer and chef. And I can already kind of feel the, this rant coming on. So let's try to be objective for, for a second here. Restaurants especially when you kind of drift into the high end of the spectrum, have adopted ticketing systems in favor of reservation-based systems because it's great. It makes sense, right? No Less no-shows, prepaid dinners... Uh, advance notice to who's coming, etc. But there's been close to 0.0 upside for the guest itself. They pay the same amount with the exception of the few places that have kind of had fluctuating times and price models, which if you're not familiar, it's a supply and demand thing, right? So if you want 7pm on a Friday, it's going to cost you more than 5pm on a Wednesday just based on when everybody wants to eat. But Where I'm going with this is because there's still apparently six million questions that go along with an experience like this. Expectations have to be set because the restaurants, truthfully and way more with a spot like Vespertine, they don't put out a lot about themselves. They want to be known as this place that's kind of like shrouded in allure and and mystery. Uh, And in reality, they're kind of just confusing people and making themselves a little bit more inaccessible. and sometimes these chefs are the ones, at least back in the day, that wouldn't let anyone take photos of their food. I think we all remember Brooklyn Fair when that was a thing. Uh, but the thought that someone in a 2017 environment would rely, not just rely, that's a poor word, force, they would force word of mouth to be the only marketing for their business when they only serve 22 guests in a night is is blasphemy to me. It, it, I can't even fathom that, right? No, No one goes to see... I mean pick an artist like the the weekend no one goes to see the weekend which can we just say is is more than 250 dollars I checked uh, Anna wanted to go see him recently uh, plus you don't get fed plus you have to stand on you, you have to stand there for like three hours packed with other people like sardines. nobody asks what can I expect from the music or how many songs does 250 dollars get me? Why, right? Because it's an experience going to see The weekend, and you've already kind of established that you like what he's doing. And if restaurants are going to market themselves like shows and concerts, to me, I would like to see them treat themselves a little bit more like performers and musicians. Uh, allow a little bit more of that um, behind-the-scenes access. Um, Yay! So there you have it. All of the industry stories from The Emulsion, episode 21. My name's Justin Kana. If you've just joined us here for the first episode of this show Uh, but i want to start doing something called anchor exclusives which is going to be just one story that i do at the end of the emulsion show and you can only find it if you're listening on this platform it'll be the last sort of story that we cover uh at the end of the entire set of stories that i cover normally on the podcast but we're just going to do it here so this week that story is all about noma so the headline is noma staff are opening a pop-up under a bridge So the story goes that 30 of uh, the employees from the very famous Copenhagen restaurant are opening a restaurant, and it's called Under the Bridge. It is physically located under the Knippelsbrough Bridge in Copenhagen. That was my Danish for the the very short time that I spent in Scandinavia. What's going to happen is they're going to do a fixed menu uh, that's going to include drinks. So that's going to be a a 1,000 Danish kroner, uh, the current... Uh, exchange rate puts that at around 153 US dollars and it's only going to be served Wednesdays through Sundays beginning on July 19th so for everyone that doesn't know the reason that's happening is because Noma is currently shut down They're they're renovating Uh, moving to a new space which is very very exciting the old space has been taken over by a restaurant called bar that we've covered on the show a couple episodes back but the team is partnering up with Noma's wine suppliers, Rossforth and Rossfirth on drinks. That's probably one of the reasons why drinks are included. But they're going to set up a wine bar as well, which is going to be open to walk-in guests. So you can kind of just walk up and uh, under this bridge and get a glass of wine, which is kind of cool. Uh, the food is going to be unlike Rene Redzepi's usual fare. The sous chefs that they have are p- apparently pretty international. So they're going to kind of cook what they would want to eat uh Outside, in a sense, which is great. It, it's going to be super simple. It's summertime right now. Everybody wants to be outside regardless. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's good. If you end up going, go ahead and shoot me some photos. I'd love to see. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that ends up being something that I research a little bit further. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be popping up from July 19th until September 3rd. You can actually pick up tickets for it because there's only going to be 35 nights of service. And I'm going to leave the link to that. Uh, for your convenience, if you're going to be traveling into the Copenhagen area. uh, And you'll definitely have to let me know, keep me posted on what's happening. So with that, that does it for today's Anchor exclusive story. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I normally do chef fine dining, restaurant news on this show, so go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or just hit subscribe here because you'll end up getting the most uh, stories with with a little bit of... uh, some some lack of transitions, some quick fire stories that I will normally do on the Emulsion podcast, but you can get a lot of the the meat of the show if you end up following me here on Anchor. So with that, my name is Justin Kana. Have a good one.